Greetings. Greetings, Earthlings. Coming to you from my mother's basement where there are so many, so, 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 so many dolls. Too many. Yeah, so many. Some may too argue. Many. Some may say too many. Some being myself and Corinne. Yeah. But you know what? Doll collection is totally fine if you're, if that's your thing. I just, I think mine is more of a, or my mother's is more of a, let's just not get rid of anything type of doll collection. Yes. You know, if we were smart, we would have themed this episode dolls. Oh, we should have. But we actually did theme this episode something else, which is, I yes. think, equally creepy. Did you pick this? Um, no, it was picked by someone on Patreon. Oh. Amanda, our listener, suggested that we have stories from the Appalachian Mountains or forests of the Pacific Northwest. I love it. And we're going to do that. Yeah. And it's like, tis the season to hike both of those places, camp in both of those places, because in the Northern Hemisphere, it is summertime now. Oh, yeah. June 21st, summer solstice. TikTok, it's coming up. Um, and so we're going to be spending a lot of time outside. We're also, okay, two things. I feel like we forgot to introduce ourselves in the last episode we recorded and we haven't done it yet. Oh, okay. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. That is Corinne. I am Sabrina. How do you My second thing is now I forget my second thing. You were saying woods. Oh, summer solstice. Summer solstice. June 21st, we are doing our next Patreon live stream for Only Phantoms. And I always say and above. But you always correct me. There is no above, but <laughs> only phantoms. And yeah, we're going to do like a bunch of rituals. We are not rituals necessarily. There's, I've been thinking about doing um, candle making if people are interested. Ooh. Or we can just set intentions Ooh. for the summer months or next season. And then we're going to work with our coven to come up with some intention setting rituals to do together. Yes. We're going to fully participate in the summer solstice. Oh, this is not candle making, jam making, because apparently like preservatives and jams and jellies are a good ritual for the summer solstice. I was doing research on it and I have oh. an incredible like fruit jam recipe. That's super easy. Okay. I'm so down. I used to make blueberry jam all the time in Maine when I was a kid. I would use the pedal boat and pedal across the lake and gather all the blueberries from the bush and pedal back to my Grammy's house and make the jam. So I'll I'll make some blueberry jam. I love it. I I'll probably make multiple. Yeah. We're we're ready for summer. We're ready. And um and we're ready to read stories. Some of you guys have tales from the trails. Can I start? And I was just going to say, Sabrina, why don't you kick us off? I would love to. Okay, I'm going to start with this one from our listener Leslie. It is called Camping Cryptid, Alien Encounters, and Two Girls, Cute Cats. Hi, ladies. My partner turned me on to you guys recently, and I've begun my shameless binging of the podcast ever since. I chose this title because she told me that cat bait is highly favored. Don't think I'd leave you hanging. <laughs> there are photos attached of the freaking cutest cats ever and my dog. Look at that. It worked. It did work. And me and my girlfriend... We were just a whole happy family. It's adorable. Thank you so much for giving me the space to feel I can go off about my story. And I think you're both incredibly helpful and inspirational human beings. Oh, that's really nice. I'm going to dive right in after this short picture commercial. And there are pictures of Leslie's pets. So cute. Yes, so cute. I believe I'm highly sensitive to the spiritual realm. So it is with some apprehensive excitement 
that I dive in. I'm sure you can relate to that feeling hosting your podcast. And I really respect and believe in the steps you guys are taking to mindfully protect yourselves while also encouraging and giving tools to others. Here we go. I was raised, it truly is spelled H-E-W-E-G-O in the email. Here we go. Here we go. (laughs) I was raised in a very conservative, sheltered Christian home. While technically speaking, I am still a Christian because I believe in Jesus. I do have a much larger scope of faith and this whole structural understanding of religion. I guess I'm a non-denominational believer in all things, and I'm rooted in Christ. That's the best way to describe me, I guess. I believe and practice things far outside of the Christian church, and a lot of what I believe does not align with how the Bible has been translated and taught for centuries. This is to say I don't go to church, and I don't think they'd appreciate what I have to say about them. But doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. Just doesn't mean I love his story. Women's story was already taken, I guess. (laughs) About 10 years ago, I started opening my mind to another realm. Not with hallucinogenics yet. That sacred practice would come later. I had just always wondered about heaven, the realm we can't see, dark matter, what's there, etc. For me, it was just the thought, the idea, the curiosity. I remember testing my beliefs internally and asking that I might maybe perhaps sort of want to experience the supernatural in a more sensual way. I wanted to see or touch or know by experience. I know I have always been gifted with some sort of knowing or had some connection with spirits and energies some dust of another realm has rested upon me. Ooh, I love that phrase. I like it too. Dusted. Yes. Dusted upon me. Hearing, seeing, feeling, smelling, thinking. But I started getting bold about encountering it. I remember stating out loud, show yourself to me or something along those lines. You know on Jackass when they're like, don't do this shit? Well, let me tell you, don't try this at home, kids. Dabbling will get you what you asked for and not just for a night, for life. (laughs) I can answer questions about my experiences, but not about the origin. So here's what I got on whatever the fuck I asked to show itself to me. My stupid oral projection wish was first granted on a drive across country from Asheville, North Carolina to Lodi, California. Just me and my loyal dog driving and camping, camping and driving. Mind you, this was before I knew of any informative podcasts about the supernatural. I felt pretty far out with my thinking, and if I were to do it all again, I would probably be a lot more careful. I haven't talked to my family today, but I should camp alone in an unfamiliar and isolated forest with no service. Great idea, little little <laughs> turd of F brains. So, driving... <laughs> <laughs> So driving, camping, I would be passing through Grand Prairie, Texas, and I texted an old girlfriend that I would be camping for the night at a random site. I'd never been to and I found. She decided she wanted to hang and tag along for the camp, and it was going to be nice to have some company. Traveling gets lonely even with a dog. I picked her up from her parents' home and we drove out to the grounds. From what I can remember, it was a honor self-pay station, which seemed odd for what looked like such a large campground, but we arrived near sunset. Either that or there was just randomly no one at the pay station, which also seemed odd because it was prime camping season. It was a forest grove campground within the paved roads and turnoffs every 30 feet or so for camper and car pull-offs. It seemed so empty. We only saw one other camper in a truck not far from the entrance. A quiet and empty campground seems like a dream, 
unless you get into weird shit. It's nice knowing someone else is there. We drove up through the winding grove and landed at site 121. My dog hopped out of the car with me, and as I swung to my trunk to grab my gear to set up a tent, I wanted to move fast before it got too dark. I had set up a tent many times and was expecting the quick and easy setup like I was used to. But for some reason, the tent poles and tent were just not cooperating. Nothing was wrong, and I felt like I was going crazy, like a complete dumbass. My brain was pinning me, like you're setting it up right, but it's just turning out wrong. It's not a very complicated tent. I thought, I already did this. Doesn't that go? I just grabbed, wait, that that tide's over there. It's wrong. And okay, maybe the other pole. No, I just did that though. Why is it not done? Where's the other? But darkness came quickly. (laughs) And after about 10 minutes of me internally scratching my head, confused as fuck and getting very frustrated about myself and hoping I could just get my dog on tent up like I had so many times before, she looked at me and said, we all good? I remember trying to laugh and say, ha, yeah, I can't seem to get my tent up. I feel super dumb and laughing it off like I wasn't embarrassed. I turned to grab my phone from the car to use it as a flashlight. And once I turned from the unbuildable tent to my car, I heard something run fast behind me. And I don't mean like my dog ran after a rabbit in the dark forest. I mean, something ran from in front of where my car was parked behind me to the back of my car to the other side of my car and then back out to the trees and then out and back around my car. In the time it took me to turn my body to grab my phone for a light, it was still. There was silence. I remember my instant fear and my internal alarms ringing. In that instant, she and I looked at each other and she said, what? What was that? I said nonchalantly, as if I'd heard it many times as I'd set up my temp. I don't know. I'll go check it out. Dumbass. (laughs) Check what out, Leslie? Sonic the Speed Demon? I love love the (laughs) internal dialogue that we've got going on here. I know. This writing is perfection. (laughs) I moved to my car to grab my phone. Now a little panicked, but just not trying to show it. And I noticed my dog, who is always next to me or running around me, checking things out sniffing, peeing, laying happy. My dog had jumped into the back of my seat of my car and staring deeply into my eyes, mouth open, panting with a peculiar look. And I thought this really feels weird and not good. My friend was also looking at me with a questioning face of, are we cool or should I be freaking out? I was being cool, being cool. I was probably looking frustrated and confused, which is what I was feeling. But who knows? Maybe she read the, holy shit, this doesn't look right in my eyes. So there I went, being the stupid first-to-die girl in every scary movie. I don't know what it is. I'll check it out. Leslie, come on. Have you watched one scary movie ever in your life? In these moments of grabbing my phone and turning back to the trees to look, we could hear it racing around our camp- campsite at lightning speeds. I can't believe it's still happening as this is going. Ugh. Oh, oh. It's so scary too, the lightning speed just rushing around. I can't even imagine. Because then it's like, is it a creature or is this some weird whooshing noise that's like, I would almost think like alien abduction. Like, is there some beam of light and energy that's like swirling up around me? Are we about to just blip off the face of the universe? Is there a black hole that's coming for us? Right. Regardless of what it is, it is not human. Like any explanation Mm -hmm. is supernatural of some kind, at least in my mind. Yes. So there I went, 
The grove was now very dark and extremely quiet other than its feet on the ground. I was desperate to catch a glimpse of whatever was moving so fast to ease myself out of fear. I kept thinking, it's just a bird or a a really fast little squirrel raccoon that can run faster than cars can drive and that's not scary. Check it out. You're brave. You're fine. Whooshing, crunching of leaves circling us. I stepped out about 10 feet into the trees, swinging my light around while it buzzed. I was trying to aim my flashlight wherever I heard the sound, but whenever my light made it there, it was already gone. She said, it just ran past me in a panicked voice. She said, what is that? I felt the air... It ran right past me. I felt and heard it step behind me. I turned around so fast and found I was shining the light directly at my car. And my friend, who was on the edge of the passenger seat with a rock in her hand, still looking at me. She said a little bit more alarmed, are we good? This felt like a weird game that was happening. And in the blink of an eye, I felt my fear was fueling it. Before answering, I turned around into the trees with my light one more time and caught the tail end of a creature, something I've never seen before. I only caught a glimpse of what will forever be burned into my memory. I can imagine was just 30 to 40% of its back half. It had a long tail lined with spikes up to the part of the back I could see. The tail was as long or longer than its two hind legs. It had three pronged feet. The skin was like the texture of a hairless dog, a scabby gray-brown in the dark. It had very little, but some mangy hair peppered all over, mostly by the spike. I didn't see its upper body or its head. I don't know if it had four legs or not. I don't know what its head looked like. The back half probably stood about four to five feet tall in what looked like a forward-leaning run. Unless it had two taller front legs, I couldn't see. It was only a flash but the light in my head switched from yellow to red. I knew what this was. I had asked for it. I knew right then this was it. It all clicked. That very second, I knew why my tent wasn't able to get up. And my mind was set on this thing being far more intelligent than a forest animal or human. I remember saying with more panic and energy and assurance in my voice, we have to go right now. Shut the door. She was asking me a bunch of questions. What is it? What's going on? What is it? What's happening? Etc. I was so deadlocked on my mission to get the fuck out of there that I didn't say anything other than repeating, we have to go. I was hurling what I could grab from the ground by the tent corpse into the back of my car. For what I'm guessing was about 15 seconds. Me trying to load the gear back up, trying to move as fast as I could, trying to ignore her and my ever-growing panic. All the while, this thing was running Olympic circles around us. And then the running stopped and I could feel it step behind me again. I heard it and felt it like a heavy blanket. I was trying to scramble my things together in the trunk. I could feel it behind me like an umbrella of energy growing bigger. And then I could see and sense it actually growing. It wasn't running anymore. It was behind me. As I was trying to stuff tent particles, flashlights, and other gear into my trunk in the pitch black, I could hear the leaves behind me on the ground shifting and breaking. Right behind me, I was feeling the earth underneath my feet grow denser. Tree branches behind and above me started to crack and snap. I thought this thing had to be morphing and its energy was hovering. It chilled my bones to the point that I stopped attempting to load my car with my scattered gear, slammed my trunk shut, leaving so many things behind, ran to my driver's seat, shakily started my car, 
I did feel safer in my car with the dog and my friend, but she just kept asking, what is that? What was that? What's going on? But the darkness dreading outside of the window was flustering me. My mind was so hell-bent, it took a while to comprehend reality. I said something along the lines of, I, I don't know. I saw it running. We need to go. We have to go. We're leaving. I'm thinking, start the engine, pull out of this campsite, get onto the paved road and exit. We get out of sight, 121, get out of this isolated campground, get back to the main road. Tension was still high when I pulled out and started driving towards the exit signs. She was pressing me. It ran past me. I couldn't see it. I grabbed a rock. I had very little to say. She kept saying, why did we leave? What happened? I said, I don't know. Following the exit signs, she said, what was that? I finally said, I don't know. That was some alien shit. Still driving towards the exit signs. She said, ha, huh, what? Leslie, what? No, that's wild. No way. What, what was it really? You're freaking me out. <laughs> and so we drive. And so we drive towards the exit sign. Turn right. We turned right. She asked me more questions, but I think she started getting quiet when she realized that the true panic I had, and I could sense her turning her attention from me asking questions to looking around as we were driving towards the same exit sign. Turn right at the exit. Turning right back into the same road. Same sign. Same way. I had shut up and was just trying to get out. I didn't have any answers. I finally said, didn't we just make this turn? She said, yeah, wait, what's going on? I said, I'm following the exit sign. That We just saw this same exit sign. She said, okay, then go that way. So I kept doing that. And finally she said, wait, we were just here. We just followed this. This is not fucking happening. We found a dead end sign. She was laughing like she couldn't believe it. It was a scared cackle, like it was some joke. We just kept getting looped back to the same path towards the exit. And every single time we said something along the lines of, this isn't real, this isn't happening. We couldn't find our way out. We kept finding ourselves at the same turn towards the exit. And then we found ourselves at a weird road that had a dead end sign. And I would have to do a three-point turn to get out. Which, by the way, when you're panicking, having to do a three-point turn out of a pitch black dead end road that did not exist seconds before is literally terrifying. It was so, so dark. It enveloped the entire car. We had to start vocalizing to each other, this is the reality of the situation, to actually get driving on the road back to the exit sign. And finally, we both vocalized to one another, this is real. It had to be an alien or something. Yep, this is actually happening. And finally, when we started to do that, we were allowed to exit and leave the park. Yep, following that exact what? same sign and going right as we had been going over and over and over. It was as if we were just getting looped back and back until we said out loud and accepted our reality. Once we both accepted it, we were allowed to leave. And I'm telling you, not a hard park to get in and out of, yet we could not escape. And there was no one there. We drove silently to a CVS where I parked. We stared into the totally normal parking lot with a few cars, street lamps, cars driving by, and just sat without saying anything for a while. I don't know how long, but then she said, that was some final destination shit. Probably five seconds later, as if on cue, a huge logging truck parked directly in front of us, taking up a whole row of parking lot stalls. She looked at me and said, take me home. I don't remember saying anything, but well, as I put my car in park and when we got to her house, she ran out of the car and into her house as fast as whatever I saw that night. 
I slept in my driver's seat in front of her house until sunrise when I could get back on the road. She didn't talk to me much after that night, but the dust settled and to this day we are able to recount with clarity the incredible awe at the absolute terror of the experience we shared. Now we text each other alien emojis and chat about that wild night with total acceptance. The second encounter I had was merely a UFO. I was in a driveway of the home I was staying in in Fresno, California. A light in the sky above the garage seemed huge and far away, but not so far away to be a star. My friend Aaron and I were talking by his truck. We both looked up and said, what is that? And then it shot away with a blue-orange zoom goodbye. And that was that. It was like a meteor, but in reverse and out of thin air. Finally, and most recently in 2020, camping with my girlfriend in Point Reyes, California. After a year of dating, I had obviously told her of my ET extraterrestrial encounter and my sighting, and I have told her I experienced these things, and deep in me, I feel that I may have some sort of connection to them or them to me, like I'm being observed, studied, analyzed. But I asked for it, and now I just get the <laughs> feeling like they want to push me and see what I can handle and see how I deal with it. Anyway, this could be you, Sabrina. Are you still trying to be abducted? Are you still trying to yeah, I'm, ask I'm still down. for this to happen? Yeah. Still oh my down. God. Anyway, we were in our favorite campground, but it too was fairly and uncharacteristically empty this night. We had a fire going and we were going to be camping in the back of my car. We're sitting by the fire when my dog ran into the forest ditch, the half circle outline near our site. I called him back and he did eventually come back but not as quickly as he usually does. He's an Aussie with separation anxiety. So usually if I just breathe wrong, he's like, oh my God, what can I do? Are you okay? I'm sorry, I'm here. What is it? I love you. I'm right here forever. Anyways, it was just an odd thing for him to do. Dart off and then fail to return on first command. The idiot girl and me again grabbed my light and went to look for him and see what was up. What is with me trying to be the hero? Just get in the fucking car and stop engaging with this shit, dumbass. <laughs> Well, everyone has a different reaction, right? Like you never know if you're going to be like fight, flight or freeze. And it sounds like Leslie's very much like, Here I'm going to be the person to protect everyone else. Yes. Yeah. It's the curiosity and just yes. you immediately, you don't even think you immediately go. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe something in me actually likes it until I'm in the middle of a thinking, Jesus, fuck, what have I done? <laughs> so I'm looking for my dog. The eerie silence came again, and then the sound. It was the surrounding footsteps, the crunching and breaking of branches. This time, it seemed large, discreet, looming. It wasn't making distance as quickly, but you could feel it. You could hear it. I walked back to the site. My partner said she could hear it too, and then she became afraid as well. As I searched with my light, she said, what is that, Leslie? I think in that moment, after sharing with her what I had, we both knew. It's a sound and feeling that comes over you, a presence and a knowing. So I scrammed back to the car and she was already sitting in the back, knees to chest, looking terrified. Wide-eyed, she had said that something hooved surrounding the car and it gave two quick vibrating horse-like grunt breaths. I imagine when you watch a movie and a horse gives that single hoof stomp and flares its breath a couple of times before a race or a charge. That. I hopped into the back of the car with her and my dog who had made his way back and we could hear branches breaking and something large walking around the grounds around us. We finally decided to shut the trunk door, and I remember so vividly her grabbing my knee with her whole hand and palm 
looking at me with so much fear and adrenaline in her face saying, okay, I believe you. I believe you. And she had this terrified chuckle. And I remember chatting for about two minutes when we had our vocalization and acceptance moment. After that, it seemed to become more peaceful. And we decided to open the trunk door to see if we could still hear or see anything. As I opened the trunk, I heard a humming, rushing noise in the sky above the trees. It was like a jet that passes, but much quieter, much closer, and didn't change in frequency. The sound hovered for a bit and then left. And everything was calm and quiet. And we were left with the glow of the fire. And we said to each other, they took it. <laughs> what did they take? I, and yeah, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Leslie, what did they take? What? <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay, but to wrap this up, let's see. I'm not sure what these are. I have seen random photos, videos, shows, or heard podcasts describing or showing me exactly what I saw or similar experiences. Some may call what I saw a chupacabra, some a cryptid of unknown origins, maybe a demon, maybe an alien. To me, it was an alien. And I have no fucking clue what type of gray, scary, Zolo speed walker it was, but uh uh-uh, nope, bye-bye. I'm not sure why they chose me to show up in times when I'm not expecting and why I don't just expect that they're 100% going to end up scaring the living shit out of me, but I do know that I asked for it. Because, well, we now all know that I'm the stupid bitch you scream at to not do that stupid thing that she's about to do in every scary movie. So my suggestion is that if you're curious about the supernatural and aliens, don't be a dumbass like me and say something like, show me, because they will. Research and be prepared to protect yourself and those around you through spirit, intention, words, and action. Thank you for reading. I'm more than happy to open up about my experiences and thoughts anytime. I'll definitely be seeing you on the other side. Much love, peace, and protection. Leslie. Leslie. One, you're hilarious. I don't even know what to say. (laughs) Like, yeah, one, hilarious. Two, I want to say you shouldn't be going into the woods, but that doesn't seem appropriate given how often you seem to go and go camping and that's like a regular part of your life. And then there's just a few of these experiences. But the few that there are, are horrifying. And the fact that you feel like you're being, you're continuing to be watched and like something there is taunting you. And like, is that thing an alien? Is it not this I understand the comparison to the chupacabra because the fact that it looks kind of, it's like really emaciated. You can like see the spine. It's kind of got that like scaly, crusty skin and it's very dog-like. But just the speed of it, the way that it was hunched over, it seems to be much more intelligent than just this kind of like vampire, sheep-killing cryptid. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it freaks me out. So I don't know what that is, but it kind of reminds me of like, one of the aliens in the, what's that movie? Like Alien versus Predator or whatever that title is. It, it's reminding me a bit of that. So it could be something that we think is like beast-like, but definitely is so unclear. It is so unclear. It's so... Uh- and because despite the, I mean, I guess not despite, but the only actual site that Leslie had or like viewing of this thing was so brief and clear, very clearly like detailed and grilled into Leslie's brain, but it was just the rear end. Right. Yeah. She could see generally what the the legs were like and how long they were. But then, and too, just like the fact that 
they also got stuck in a, at one point they got stuck in like a time loop. I know that these are separate experiences, right? This was like another place that they went camping frequently that they got stuck in, or was it the same time when they had to acknowledge what they saw and what they were experiencing for the road to open up to them? Both times, it sounded like accepting and acknowledging kind of put an end to the experience. Mm -hmm. But it's like, for what purpose? Right. Right. Like, obviously, they know what's happening. Yeah, they know something is there. That there's something scary. Yeah, they've like seen the beast. They know that they're lost and that roads are appearing and disappearing. So what's the point of just saying like, okay, I see you. Like, what does it matter to these creatures, to these ETs, to like whatever this energy is? Like, what are they trying to get out of it? It's a great question. It makes me almost think, I always go back to aliens having like some sort of game. And I'm like, this reminds me of that show, Silent Library. It's like, how long will these people last until they say, okay, I get it. Yeah. I also, okay, Leslie, listen. Yes, it's probably best not to tempt whatever is out there and, you know, ask for something because often it does come for you in a way that perhaps you didn't ask for or really intend. But it's just this one specific thing. Like it doesn't feel like it's a multitude of paranormal entities or beings. It is this one entity that seems to have targeted Leslie. And I I don't know, like it, it's interesting that it didn't like, and maybe Leslie will have to follow up and ask, but it didn't just like open up a Pandora's box of hauntings. It was just this one creature, alien species, whatever you want to call it, that's like, Howdy doody, Leslie. Thanks for uh, letting me into your heart and your home because you're stuck with me now. Right. So I don't know. It. I don't know either. <laughs> just this whole thing, I feel like I wouldn't have survived any of these experiences because I would have just dropped out of a heart attack because I'd be so scared. So, but I think it does help that Leslie has someone else there, right? You know, like they're experiencing it. Her and her girlfriend are experiencing it together. Yeah still just as terrifying. Like, totally think you're going to die. What the hell is this? Yeah. But my God. Also, Leslie, like, I don't know, like, go camping if you would like, but maybe just be prepared that every time you go camping, this thing is going to make itself known because there's one commonality between these experiences. Camping. 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 I have another story that involves the outdoors. Lovely. Because that's our theme. That's our theme. And this, is from Kristen. In 2009, my husband and I bought our house. It is a fantastic mid-century modern and we love it. The layout is essential to the story. It's a ranch style with the butt end facing the road. The foyer, dining room, and kitchen are two steps higher than the rest of the house. The kitchen has two entrances through the dining room and into the hallway that leads from the living room to the bedrooms and bathroom. So it creates a big loop. Okay. Our basement door is off the living room. There is a half wall between the dining and living rooms. On April 19th, we moved in with our three cats. In June, we adopted a German shepherd puppy who we named Fenway Bark. Oh my my gosh. That's too cute. He was born in a rescue and he was raised with cats. Our cats did not like him. Over time, they warmed up, kind of, but he always has loved cats. Oh. <laughs> so cute, Fenway Bark. So cute. One day, one day I noticed Fenway was staring at the top of the half wall in the dining slash living rooms. 
He was moving his head, watching something. It looked like he was following something that jumped off the wall and onto the floor, and then he darted after whatever he saw. Fenway ran through the living room, up the two steps into our kitchen, through the kitchen and dining room, then down the basement stairs. I could hear him running in the basement, then back up the stairs. He was hot on the trail of something. When he got back into our living room, he playfully stopped in and watched the top half of the wall again. A few seconds later, he repeated this track. I followed this time when he ran into our basement. He acted like he saw something jump onto our washing machine and then back down. And it seemed like he was chasing a cat that I could not see. Initially, I dismissed it as him chasing a bug, but the pattern never changed. He pursued this ghost cat for years. (laughs) When we had to euthanize our oldest cat, the ghost cat went too. Heartbreakingly, we had to say goodbye to my beautiful Fenny boy in January of 2021. He brought a tremendous amount of happiness to our lives and we miss him dearly. Poor baby. My second story involves my neighbors. In October of 2009, I was in my kitchen washing dishes and Fenway was standing beside me as all good guardians do. Something caught my eye and drew my attention to the doorway into our living room. In the doorway stood a gray figure. It was solid, tall, and appeared to be male. I looked down at Fenway and he was watching this figure as well. Since my husband is six foot three, I immediately thought, how is he doing that? I went to the doorway leading to the hall slash living room and I looked at our couch and my husband was asleep. Hmm. When I returned to the kitchen, the figure was still there. Nope. I asked if it needed anything, but I did not get a reply. Since I felt no threat, I returned to washing the dishes with Fenway by my side. Later in the week, my husband told me that our neighbor had passed away. He was a tall man and very much fit the shape of the figure that I saw. I think he visited us to ask us to watch over his wife, Judy. We have since formed a beautiful friendship, and Fen always looked out for her. He always asked to go outside if he saw her working in in her yard. But now on to my sleep paralysis, which for me happens rather frequently. Thankfully, I can talk myself into knowing I'm dreaming while this is happening. When I was younger, I mean young, like around five, I started having recurring dreams and sleep paralysis. I think it's important to note that I loved watching the news and I lived in Texas at the time, 1979 to 1980, you know, big on the death penalty there. One specific dream involved me being an adult and serving on a jury for a murder trial. I remember from the dream that it was apparent that he was guilty. The jury and I deliberated and came back with a guilty verdict. In my dream, the jury did not give a sentence or recommendation for sentencing. The judge sentenced the defendant to death by lethal injection. Fast forward beyond any appeals, the jury was mandated to sit for the execution. This is just wild, by the way, that she's five having these dreams. The judge ordered one of the jurors to push the button for the injection. Yep, I was the one chosen to press the button. I'm curious if she looked like herself as a five-year-old or if she could see what she looked like. Or like like. as an adult juror. Yeah. I fought with them, but the executioner dragged me to the panel, then grabbed my hand and forced me to push the green button. So sad. I was in tears and I was yelling, I'm sorry, to the convict as he looked at me through the glass panel. Again, fast forward a couple years in the dream, the jurors start being killed by a wild animal. It made no sense. Some lived in Dallas, some on ranches, some had moved out of Texas. 
I had moved to the Pacific Northwest and I was living in isolation. I had a small cabin in the woods hiding out after pressing that button. Eventually, the authorities let me know that this wild animal that was killing off the jurors was an altered version of the convicted man. The injection had not killed him, but caused him to... This is like a... This should be a movie. This should be a movie. Five years old, our brain comes up with that. That is amazing. I mean, terrifying, but... Yeah, the injection had not killed him, but had caused him to change. He was declared dead and was buried. Since they knew the cause of death, they did not do an autopsy and took no preservation efforts. But his DNA reacted with the chemicals in the injection. He transformed in his grave into this Bigfoot-type creature who then dug out of his grave and started killing the people who killed him. I was the last living juror hiding in the woods in the Pacific Northwest. I looked at the blinds of my window and saw a giant creature lurking around. Oh my God. It started banging on the sides of the cabin and trying to break the door down. Sometimes he never got in. Sometimes I went outside to run away. And sometimes he got in the house. I always apologized saying, they made me push the button. Oh my god! I didn't want to. I'm sorry. I haven't had those dreams in years. So whatever, I must have been possessed through whatever was causing me stress. But I can see the images from my dream in my mind. I tried to find any movies or television shows that may have triggered this dream, but I never found one. I've always thought that it would be a great movie. Yes. See you on the other side, Kristen. Kristen, it would be a great movie and you should write it or let's team up and write it. I can't even, five years old. Like, yes, imaginations run wild totally. And maybe she saw something, like a glimpse of something and like her mind combined it with other stuff, but it is so thorough. And the fact that she had it multiple times, there's just so much complexity to it. There really is. And I feel like there's so much that even if I, like, I mean, I can't really remember what I was capable of understanding when I was five, but I feel like I wouldn't have quite understood exactly everything that happens with like going through a legal trial and the jurors and you deliberate. And then there's, you know, like they were fast. Kristen was fast forwarding through all of these moments of like appeals and things that I barely understand now. How would I, as a five-year-old, understand that? And so it makes me so curious, like, what was she experiencing? Was this some weird morphing of a past life? Was this some some implantation of, like, what life is like for her soul to live in, like, another planet or another version of this world that feels so different, like another dimension. so different from ours? I know. I was just wondering yeah. if it is, like, a nightmare from a previous life. Because let's just say in a past life, Kristen did live and was a juror on a trial. They convicted a villain, a a criminal of something. And the making a juror member press the button is, I can't even put my, wrap my mind around it, but there's so much that has happened in history that I also can't wrap my mind around. So who knows if that's possible or not. And after that happened... I mean, even so, maybe it wasn't that. It was just someone... Maybe she just lived the life as someone who was on the jury. And, just and it the, felt like they pressed the, like, the button. Anxiety yeah. and trauma. Yeah. And it manifests into all of these right. nightmares. And then like I'm thinking about, you know, I've had nightmares 
based on real experiences and they do become more like dr- dramatized in my brain because of the fear that is developed around them. And it's possible that in this past life, because it became so consuming, they moved and lived out in the wilderness by themselves. And the dream just like kept happening and kept happening. And so now Kristen is having a nightmare that doesn't belong to her current life, but to a past life. Or there's a demon who's implanting this in her brain. I do not know. (laughs) Okay, you're right. But here's another interesting thing is like, Kristen was five years old living in Texas Mm -hmm. as a child, but in her dream was in the Pacific Northwest in the woods, having Bigfoot sightings, which is where many of the Bigfoot sightings are clustered. And like, did Kristen know that at the time as a as a five-year-old back then and in the nineteen late 1970s, was that known to her? Because otherwise I'm like, ooh, what if this is like a really weird thing that there's like some something to the creation of Bigfoot somewhere? Oh my gosh. What if Kristen's dreams are the creation of Bigfoot? What if the first ever Bigfoot sighting was in 1979 and it was because of Kristen? What if Kristen's a time traveler and went back, <laughs> pushed a green button, and then a bunch of Bigfoot babies sprouted out of this person? I love, you know what my favorite thing is, is that we come up with these really fun, like wild theories and people think that we're like so serious about them, but it's just us having fun. And it's a yes riffing. and moment. We're riffing. <laughs> yeah. But it would be really cool if that were the case, you know? We're not saying like 100% yeah. is like, you know, put our tinfoil hats on. It's like on. a big spider yeah. sack and there's just like thousands of little Bigfoot that crawl yeah. out. Yeah. Like I'm also just thinking about if this is the movie of it, just like the world being that if you have a nightmare of something like, and it's so intense that you create that thing and it like becomes born into the world. Like that's a cool concept for something. And then they have to, and then society has to come up with a way to control your dreams so that all these monsters aren't continuously running around the world. Oh, oh, that's really, Sabrina, you should write this. It's kind of reminding me of Hunger Games where like the clock Mm -hmm. is happening and they have to like race against the clock and all of these challenges, but it is, ugh, yeah. (laughs) There's so many, I'm just thinking of like all the movies and television shows that this is similar to and it's, it is really scary, all of your there's another episode of touched by an angel that i think had something <laughs> there are so many things that you've seen and watched that i just have no context for i think that my television time between like 3 p.m and 4 30 p.m after school was not monitored mm. and i think i watched whatever the hell i wanted <laughs> so i was exposed to some weird i'm interesting to think, like what i watched shows. you know i spent i actually went to a lot of like after school like hours you know i stayed at school Mm -hmm. Uh, when it wasn't when I wasn't playing a sport in a certain season I was just crushing law and order SVU (laughs) for like a good 90 minutes until my friends make sports so much sense for who you are and who you've grown into be yes okay I have one another story it's um a little bit shorter but it is called a whole lot of nope okay it's from Jennifer hey ladies first off I love the podcast you ladies are fantastic All right, now that I got that out of the way, I have a pretty sick story for you. Let me preface, it is not my personal story. It is my sister-in-law's friend. For the sake of her privacy, I'm gonna call her Britt. So, Britt decided to take on the Appalachian Trail on her own. 
Mind you, she's a young Mm -hmm. woman hiking and camping alone on this trip. Props for being an independent woman. She was called to the trail. Like you were at a point. Props to Brit for being an independent woman, but that shit is bonkers. I'm not sure how far or long she hiked the trail for, but it was long enough to have camped in a tent for several nights. Being that this was back before smartphones were popular, she brought along a disposable camera to take pictures along the way. After she had traveled the trail as far as she wanted, she called it good and made her way back home. Soon after being home, Britt took her disposable camera in to get developed. After she received the call telling her that the pictures were done, she went, picked them up, and looked through them. To her fucking horror, she found pictures of herself sleeping in the tent. (gasps) No! While out on the Appalachian Trail. No, 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 no. This is the worst freaking thing ever. Holy fucking shit. Am I right? But not only this, it wasn't just one night. Someone came into her tent several different times while she was sleeping, while she was camping on the trail and took pictures of her with her own camera. Luckily, whoever the psycho was, he, she, it did not attack her, but it still gives me goosebumps every time I think about it. Love you. Stay spooky, Jennifer. I hope, I hope with all my heart that it was just some innocent person (laughs) whose intrusive thoughts just got the best of them in that one moment. And they thought, this is so creepy and hilarious and took one photo. That's the craziest part. It was because oh, it was Brit multiple times on the trail, multiple times along the trail, and the photos. It from my understanding, it was not just one photo from one night. It was multiple photos, meaning that this person was following Brit on the trail. This is horrifying, and the amount of stories we've heard from the Appalachian Trail too, with just mm-hmm. like weird creatures and groups of individuals that have some sinister intentions even just think about like the serial there's been multiple serial killers who I have know. camped out and like gotten away for like five years plus just living on the trail oh my god oh gives me the chills <sighs> but she survived and i'm sure we'll never go back again at least alone oh my god yes there should be cameras set up at the campsites, don't you think? I feel like there should be like some safety surveillance. Yeah, but I get, I'm sure a lot of them do, especially at entrances. But to have it set up at like every camp, I don't know. I feel like that's difficult to actually, one, logistically and financially set up. And then two, to then after yeah. the fact monitor, like that's a lot of going through footage. It is. It's kind of like, the tough thing where I'm like, oh, I want cameras everywhere for safety purposes. But then it's like, well, are they going to be used for safety purposes or are they not going to be used for safety purposes? And some other thing, like, you know, hackers going in and watching and taking advantage of different things. And then also like you want to be on the trail and just like be with nature and have time to like kind of like be zen and one with your thoughts. And you're not necessarily feeling like that if there's constant surveillance set up everywhere. Yeah. I mean, there probably already is, um, and we just don't know it. So ignorance is bliss, I guess. There's a lot of, everyone has like, not everyone, everyone in my mind has trail cams set up all over the place. But like, 
my dad has wildlife cams, like deer cams and stuff. And he's never seen anything weird on them. It's all just like deer and turkey and coyote and oh, bear cubs one time. So cute. Freya, Asim, and I were like the last ones there uh, Monday night at Basin Harbor where he got married. And we were sitting on the lake trampoline and just laying out there. And I was like, this is like, you know how they say it's really, really impossible to disappear nowadays just because of, you know, tech and cameras and just it's easy to track people. But I was like, this would be a really good place to start your disappearance from. You hang out at Basin Harbor, you drop your phone in the lake, take out a kayak across to New York because it's literally across the lake or yeah, across the lake is New York. You climb into the woods, you have like some strange, you have some like disguise set up and you change your appearance in a way and then you go disappear. Like, I feel like that's the place to do it because there's no... Yes. It would be extremely easy, especially because across the lake in New York, there's like four houses yeah, and they're nestled amongst the woods and there's like barely anything there. And in fact, we did think Freya and Asim had disappeared <laughs> on Sunday because they took a canoe out yep. and I didn't have my cell phone out on the trampoline. And I had my mom call you to track their location because they were but gone she for never like three called hours. No. We had this conversation. My mom called. Mm-mm. Who did she call then? She called someone and tracked the location and, and told me exactly where they were. I don't know. But I don't know who she could have called. Somehow my mom located Freya and knew where she was, but she had canoed a far distance to New York and got off on the like rocks and there's nothing around. But they had a romantic little afternoon. They sat and drank in New York. And then we were talking about, well, and so how remote it does feel led to me, Frey, and Asim talking about canoeing out some like logs and materials to just set up a little shack and and slowly start building a massive house that we don't have to actually like pay for. On the drive up from New Jersey to Vermont, I passed, I think it was either in, it was like New York close to Vermont. There was just on the side of the road, I think it was Catskills. There's three log cabins and it's like, buy your log cabin home here. And it's like very clearly they just like, have templates and they deliver them somewhere in the woods for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a beautiful, beautiful log cabin house in Greenwood, Maine, which is right around where my grandmother lives. And all of the giant logs of this log cabin were brought down from like deep, deep in Canada. Oh. 80 years ago. That's and it's just cool. extremely beautiful. I'm sure. I know. I love it. Speaking it's interesting of because woods. my grandmother, grandmother on my dad's side, Grammy Joanne, she has dementia and she doesn't remember much, but she does. It's like the classic thing when people have dementia that they they remember a few things mm-hmm. from deep, deep in their like past, like things long, long time ago. Yeah. And she can tell me everything about that log cabin, but she doesn't know who I am. <laughs> but she remembers the log cabin because yeah. it's quite impressive. Uh, And I do have another story for us that we might find quite impressive as well. Okay. Impressive or scary or both? Or all of the above? All of the above. All right. 
Hi, ladies. I was in Scotland visiting a friend back in 2018. We traveled up to Inverness, Scotland, specifically to visit Culloden Battlefield, where the Scots and the British fought on April 16th, 1756, where the Scottish clans finally succumbed. The evening we got there, it was too late to visit the museum. We first visited Clava Cairns and then went on to the battlefield. It was the end of April and still late at 10.30 p.m., When we arrived, we walked all through the battlefield and past the clan markers and large central cairn. I took lots of photos that night. It was eerie, and it felt like we were being watched, but not in an ominous way. When we arrived back to the bed and breakfast that we were staying at, I looked through all of my photos because I like to delete anything that isn't worthwhile. As I was scrolling through them, I came upon the attached photo, unique from all the others. I believe it shows two Scottish Highlanders making their presence known. There was no outside light coming from any location, and the figures are definitely illuminated on their own. Okay, let's look at the photo, and we'll show it in the video as well. The year prior, I went to my first Bigfoot convention outside of Seattle, and I was lucky enough to be invited on a week's camping trip in Southern Oregon. We camped openly without tents. No. So... After the first night weathering the late April cold and drizzling rain, we walked to the campsite. Closer to the tree line, not far from camp, I saw a six-foot-tall tree with bright green leaves opened fully, which was strange because it was still snowy in places. However, it looked to me like the tree was a large branch, branch, and it was also leaning quite a bit, and the ground around it was disturbed. I approached this branch and was able to easily pull it out of the ground. The base had been sitting about six inches in the dirt. I thought that was odd because that would never happen because the roots would be kept intact. But upon looking, there were no roots and the branch showed visible scrape and chew marks. There was no way that any animal could chew the base of a tree and then be able to thrust it into the ground six inches. Another story of that trip was that one of the participants was in the last stages of renal failure. He had been a stuntman in the movies and had excessively taken naproxen sodium for his pain. Because of that, he had ruined his kidneys. He had heard that Bigfoot were healers, and so he convinced Dr. Johnson to allow him to come as an experiment. Before the trip, he had gotten his blood checked, and at the time, his kidneys were functioning at 14%. We joked with him because in tons of alien abduction stories, they always do some sort of rectal probe. (laughs) Uh, So we were joking with him that he had to be careful. The last night that we were there, we'll call him Paul, slept again away from the rest of the campers and slightly down the hill nearer the woods from us. Twice, around 4 and 4.30 a.m., I heard something walking around the cot next to me and whatever it was had big padded feet because it was a deeper and louder sound than usual. Whatever it was, was also messing with the cot and the things on top, like my backpack and wrestling the tarp covering it. Both times I heard it come my way and something poked my left arm. Even though I hadn't been scared the entire trip, I was terrified and in my head told whatever it was to go down the hill and just go help Paul. Upon each request, the footsteps moved away from me and headed towards the direction of Paul's cot. Uh, it's also so scary because they're so exposed. Like there's no tent or anything. They're so prote- t- yeah, right. Open. It sounds like they literally just have like a plastic tarp like above them for the rain and the cot, and that, like anything could just knock it over. Yeah. Whoa. 
The next morning after we packed up, I realized Paul wasn't awake yet, so we went to go check on him. He was still in his sleeping bag and his head was covered and cinched up. I noticed next to his cot, there was a dinner plate sized pile of berries. I thought that was strange as there were no trees or bushes around that had berries on them. I took a photo and woke Paul up. We all headed down off the mountain and a few of us went to a local restaurant for breakfast. In an effort to stay up on the mountain as much as he could to have an increased chance of an encounter, Paul didn't shower off the mountain like the rest of us had the previous day, so he excused himself to do a bird bath in the restroom. A few minutes later, he came back with a deadpan and shocked look on his face and he sat down. We asked him what was wrong. He said he didn't want to gross us out, but we all pleaded to hear what happened. He told us that when he went to poop, out came these reddish purple berries. He had no idea how that was possible because he hadn't eaten any the entire trip. We all started to laugh hysterically as we joked that he must have gotten the old anal probe on him. (laughs) And he didn't find any of that funny. But when shown, he verified that the same berries that I photographed earlier that morning by his cot were the same that he pooped out. After breakfast, we all separated to our different airports to fly home. Paul posted what happened to him in our newly formed group chat. And one of the ladies from the convention asked for a photo of the berries. Being an expert in Native American culture, she stated that these berries were manzanita berries and were regularly used to treat kidney issues. We were all shocked. To top that off, Paul headed back to the hospital at UNC for his monthly checkup and another visit where the doctor was going to try to get him to get on the transplant list. Paul never once told the doctor about the experiment in Oregon. Paul had also not done anything different from his regular medication routine during the week that he was gone. The crazy thing is that when he got his blood work back, His kidneys were now functioning at 28%. Thanks for the opportunity to tell my stories. I have many more. Christine. What was this? Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Bigfoot saving people. Okay, so it's like, is it Bigfoot or is it an alien? I mean, also, is Bigfoot an alien? I'm just... What? So much. This is also the first time I've heard that Bigfoot are healers in a way too like I'd never heard that theory but that would make sense because they live off the land in a way that we don't I mean especially if we can't see them they know the land way better than we do I yeah I don't know this is so it's incredible this is my favorite type of story where you don't have answers because it's such a positive thing that you don't need answers you know right I mean, how incredible too. I mean, if I were Paul, I'd be like, how do I get my hands on more of these berries? And it is interesting that like, he he doesn't remember waking up and eating them. He doesn't remember anything like that. And so it makes me wonder if he was in such a sleep state that he just kind of like, you know, the berries were maybe like placed in his mouth and he's like, oh, and like swallowed them in his sleep. Or if there's something, you know, with alien abductions that we talk about where there's time missing, there's memories missing. If Bigfoot, have the same sort of ability where when around the presence of them, memory is shaky. Time fades away. It's yeah, I don't know. Um, and I don't know how we but will how ever loving know. is that that somehow he was given berries to eat, and then it's almost like whatever left the berries, assuming it's Bigfoot, because that's what mm-hmm. uh 
it, it's that's what Christine is Thanks. saying yeah. that this group thought it was. Yes. It's almost like they gave some of the berries to Paul and then just put a bunch of berries like extra for him to take next to his pot because <laughs> they were all on the ground. Or maybe he couldn't eat all of it. Maybe it was just like he was full. Right. Know. Bigfoot's hands were like scooping up a huge amount. Like, here you go. And they oh, you're pebbled out. Actually quite small. Oh. Just a tiny wee man compared to me. Yeah. Wow. I love that. That's so cool. I don't even need to know the answer or know who or what the entity was. If it was Bigfoot, I don't need confirmation. I just think this is such a cool story. I love it. I freaking love it. Me too. Freaking hate camping wow. because I'm so terrified. <laughs> But, oh my gosh, also when we were at Basin Harbor, I won't miss this part about the experience. It's beautiful. Love cabins. Cabins are the glamping of camping. Spiders. There were so many, so many spiders. Really? So many. In your cottage? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Weird. I had zero. Oh, so many. I was, there was one night I was writing and I got off the couch to go to bed and there was a massive spider on the wall and like even oh just thinking about it gives me the chills like I get heebie-jeebies and I went through this like okay it's big I don't have anything to kill it with what do I do I need to I need to get rid of it because if I don't it's gonna find me while I'm sleeping and it's gonna attack me and then and that was it one of because your your cottage was like tucked a little bit more into the trees yeah and mine was overhanging the water like yeah. truly like a cliff and so I think you must have had more but I meant to tell you this Remember how I cried because I killed a spider here and it like really traumatized me that I took this spider's life, even though I killed so many spiders in my past. Yeah. I had a turning point and someone, one of Brian's relatives was nervous about a spider being on, like climbed up uh, by the beach onto their beach towel. It was tiny. And I just went over and grabbed it with my fingernail and like brought it back down to the ground. And then there was another spider that I found so tiny on my bouquet and I also picked it up and released Ugh, it. And my, my fear of spiders has gone. It's gone. Well, okay. Remember, you used to have that nightmare of like the massive spider crawling down. And then someone recently said, yes. someone said that like, it's a spirit guide of yours. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why you had such a like emotional reaction to killing it. That one spider. And then it, you it, you turned a new leaf. You're like, I can't do that anymore. And you needed to now I'm saving have them. that. I'll I'll kill. I'll keep killing because I can't. I'm sorry. I'll save them. I'll run and save them before you can squash them. You're going to come to wherever I am to save. <laughs> that would be amazing try. if you could teleport. If I hear you go, ah, spider, I will run. <laughs> You're superhuman like that creature that, uh, who was it that uh, Leslie saw? Oh, the like weird chupacabra alien, alien creature. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Leslie, it wasn't an alien. It was Corinne. It was me it was trying Corinne. to save you from spiders. <laughs> if anyone else has stories from trails, camping, woods, anything yeah. to do with all the weirdness that lurks outside of our homes, email us at twogirlsonecoastpodcast at gmail.com. And if, if you've gotten disposable camera pictures back or developed photos and there's photos of you taken by an unknown person, please send them to us because <gasps> I don't know why I have such a sick so fascination scary. with that. It's so scary, but I uh, want, like, I, I'm so fascinated. There are so many ways to support us. Join us on Patreon. We have live streams 
We have campfire stories every Tuesday for Patreon donors. We have merch, exclusive merch on there. And then also if and when we have live shows, you will have early access to tickets. And there's so many benefits for you on there. So join us over there. Rate and review us on iTunes. Watch us on YouTube. Merch. I think that's that's all the things. We love you. All the things. You know the spiel. And we will. Well, thank you to Christina, our editor. Oh. Before we say goodbye. Because we love you. And we're grateful. And now. We will see you on the other side. Very spooky.